Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another Morph Monday episode of Shelf Aware. And Mama Mia, here we go again. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, not Meryl Streep, Anna. <laughs> and I'm another of your hosts, not Amanda Seafried, M. <laughs> this week on uh, uh, Shelf Aware, we read the 30th book in the Animorphs saga, The mm-hmm. Reunion, by K.A. Applegate and Elise Donner. Mm, she's a new one, I believe. Yes. I don't think we've had any repeats so far. No, but I really liked her for Margot. I did too. I don't know if I loved the plot of this one, but I did think she had a good Marco voice. Yes. I I don't I didn't really like the plot either or I don't I think I was just too dumb to understand what Marco's plan was or maybe too smart to understand what Marco's plan was. <laughs> I was just zoned out through a lot of it. I felt there was too many yes. action sequences and I never care about those. Mm-hmm. I did really enjoy Marco's inner struggle and the scenes where he has to talk to where they're talking to the Visser one, I'm just going to say, because I think mm-hmm. that's on the back of the book, the blurb. Uh, I mean, the back of the book starts with Marco's mom is back. But yeah. she's not Visser One anymore. So okay, that's a little bit of a of a trick yeah. because yeah, she's yeah. not Visser One. She's a sub Visser now. She got yeah. a demotion. Hold on, because this is this is actually now. I didn't read the back of the book until right now, and this back of the book is full of bullshit. Because the next okay. sentence is, Marco's not even sure if she's still a controller. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But he's determined to find out. That's not the plot of this book. No matter what it takes, no matter what might happen, Marco wants his mom back. That's not the plot of this book. Yeah, that's not what happens. At all. Is that what, like, K.A. Applegate sent to the ghostwriter or sent to the publisher, but the ghostwriter did not also get that copy? They were just like, um, Visser One's in town, guys. The, I, I don't know. I mean, it could just be. I feel like this is kind of a classic thing with children's book series that, like, the back of the book doesn't really necessarily always reflect Give the book. I don't know if that's because they're publishing them so quickly that like stuff changes in the publication process and mm. they don't have time to update the book or like or the the back of the book or if it's just like the people who are writing the back of the book just legitimately did not read the book like I don't know they skimmed <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like I didn't care for like you said the action of this book the plot of it maybe but I did really enjoy the act of reading this book mm. I, this was probably like middle of the road Animorphs for me, I feel like. I was. Oh, this is one of my favorites. See, I was just kind of like, I feel like a lot of the emotional turmoil we kind of have done before. And it was definitely a bit clearer and sharper in this book compared to like the one where they're underwater and all the stuff with Marco's mom goes down and whatever. But like Mm -hmm. overall, I was like, okay, but we have done these emotional beats before. It's just a little bit, I mean, until, like, kind of the stuff at the very end, which I was into. But, like, the most of the whole conflict Marco's feeling, I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. Give me some fresh some fresh ground to mm. tread here. It was a little bit. I think, I feel like this one was a little bit different because mm. we, I think I, I forgot that Marco was a little bit under the assumption that his mom had already died because mm-hmm. of the explosion at the Larynx. That's true. I, I, totally gloss over that but this time he's like kind of that last book he was hopeful still but this one he's like given up on his mom he's Mm -hmm. like i'm going to end viscer one and if that means i have to kill my mom then that's what i'm doing yeah and he's like faking this whole book to us the readers it's like very unreliable that like he's gonna go through with it and he's this is his plan nothing's gonna change until we get to the end where we do realize that like you know he's glad he didn't have to he personally didn't have to do it so I don't know I I liked that because I didn't it was a little bit Marco unhinged you know Marco on the edge on a precipice of some kind and I liked that tension I think for me also it might have just been that I did this is one of the only times I've read the two because we batch record uh but this Mm -hmm. is one of the only times that I've read the two Animorphs books back to back usually I read them on separate days at least to space Mm -hmm. them out a little bit so I was maybe just a little bit like oh all right get to the end here (laughs) because yeah so that that might have been on me I can understand that (laughs) it's a lot to read two of them in one day Mm -hmm. um not a lot in terms of actual reading difficulty (laughs) oh yeah no 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 but to like be yeah in the headspace Mm -hmm. of teenagers for yeah, younger yeah, yeah. teenagers for that long <laughs> anyway <laughs> so marco decides to skip school one day 
takes the bus downtown, where he immediately runs into Visser One, his mom. She's in a disguise, wearing a blonde wig and colored contacts, etc. This is a little bit of a surprise for Marco, as I mentioned, because the last we saw of Visser One, she was caught up in that mm-hmm. explosion at the place where they were trying to make Lyran controllers, and the Vandalites had turned into sharks, and blah, 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 blah. And they kind of thought Visser One had died either by explosion or by drowning. It's amazing that, like, shark conveyor belt is only, like, the 18th wildest thing I've seen <laughs> in this series. And it was ages ago, I too. I know, right? <laughs> We're going to do like a retrospective yeah. on the Andalite series when like we finish it. The top, top 10 wildest animal Wild. moments. <laughs> uh, Marco follows his mom to a nearby office building where some stupid stuff happens. So he follows her into the office building, gets into an elevator, and then he's like, oh shit, my mom's going to realize I'm in this elevator with her when I get off the elevator to follow her. So I better, in front of all these other people, just morph into a fly. Now, do, do their clothes just disappear when they morph? This or was do they... my exact question as well. And I feel yes. like... We have been, we've talked about this in depth in terms of like them needing clothes to put on and then they eventually solved that with the skin tight clothes when they're morphing. Mm -hmm. But when it is a situation like this, and we've kind of talked about before also just the whole like ghost writers writing these books has turned it into sort of like they're getting a lot looser with doing stuff that could get them noticed just because each ghost writer is kind of like not thinking big picture i think Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't i don't know if we've ever actually discussed what they do with their clothes (laughs) there's just a bunch of like the wardrobes of six no five no four teenagers (laughs) in z space just flying around i like i assume because i think i could be just this could be me filling in the the gaps like in my brain but I feel like they've mentioned before, like, taking off non-morphing clothes or shoes, Mm -hmm. things like that, and putting Mm -hmm. them aside. In a backpack like Peter Parker. Yes, 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 yes. So I think, like, that might be a thing. But I don't know what happens when they need to morph on the go. Yeah, they do that a lot. Maybe they've just practiced enough that they're better at looser clothes now. But it used to be it had to be skin-tight clothes for Mm -hmm. it to morph with you. I think that he still, because it runs into the problem where he's wearing his, like, biker Mm shorts and they explode because he morphs into someone who is bigger than him yeah like but like, i don't know shoes I, did the, the there's just a newspaper and some children's shoes in the corner of this elevator <laughs> that no one noticed also like a newspaper isn't that big yeah well and here's my thing it's like okay so he holds up the newspaper to hide behind while he's morphing what if his hands were the first things that morphed mm-hmm. first firstly secondly like i think the act of the newspaper drifting lower and lower to the ground, but slowly is going to be more noticeable. Yeah. I don't know. Just There was nothing about this scenario that was realistic. And I, I get the joke is supposed to be like, oh, city people don't pay attention to anybody but themselves. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it didn't like, work. Didn't work because this isn't New York City. <laughs> it's San Francisco, as we know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so he follows her as a fly and then... He also has to, like, grab the morph of another human, which, as we know, it's, like, a big no-no because Cassie is very, like, eh about it, you know? Mm-hmm. She's, like, she cares. Um, I think Marco has always been on the end of the spectrum where he doesn't care. Well, you know, he's kind of flip-flopped, right? Because he's, he's kind of stuck up for Cassie sometimes, and other times he's just kind of, like, do what you need to do. But like, So, basically, he's trying to impress Cassie when Cassie's around, but Cassie's exactly. not here anymore, so his morals are going to go to the wayside. Exactly, exactly. So he grabs a human morph to help him sneak out of the building at another time. But basically he finds that his mom is, I don't know why he thinks she's going to be there forever, but she, he, she goes into an office in this large skyscraper and he's like, that's where she lives now. (laughs) This is a place where people go to work, Marco. Like she could have just been meeting somebody. I mean, ultimately he's right, but like, I hate that. I hate that. It's very like, um six-year-old logic of like oh my teachers live at the school right yeah which makes sense because on the cover of this book marco does in fact look like he's about six years old oh my gosh yeah and the and the way that his eyes like spread out and get bigger as he morphs into the bug Mm -hmm. does not help things no 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 (laughs) just an innocent cockroach baby 
Yes. <laughs> so he goes back to let the other Bandalites know what he found out. And the others are like varying levels of angry that Marco skips school of all things. Like the fuck, Cassie's like, you're gonna, everyone's gonna get, is gonna find out about us if you skip school. And I'm like, but why? You guys <laughs> didn't skip school with him. Tobias has left school forever. Tobias missing, is permanently out of school. There should be a missing persons case open on Tobias. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> of course there's not though. Um, Jake's cousin is dead. Like Jake's cousin is just straight up dead. No David one killed him. It. No one said anything about David, who was only at school for two weeks before he died <laughs> in a rat body on an island oh, after his parents disappeared. And that's only like the fifth wildest thing that's happened in this series. <laughs> I totally forgot. I really did like legitimately forget about the cousin until you mentioned it last time. Like. <laughs> I told you that was never going to be addressed again. I know, but it also felt like it was going to be a big thing. I know. I think maybe it was addressed actually in this book when like (laughs) we're coming up to it when they're like trying to get together to decide who's going to go on the mission. And Jake's like, I can't. I have a family thing. And it's like, is that family thing dealing with your lost cousin? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Just an awkward family reunion because (laughs) someone is missing. Because like. Yeah, they must just think the cousin ran away because he, because David, who morphed into the cousin, went home as him. Yeah. I think they might have even said something in that book, maybe, about, like, m- maybe we made that up. I can't remember now. It's all I don't starting know. to run together. Yeah, yeah. Who's to say? Um, There are also varying levels of angry that Marco decided to follow Visser 1 on his own, which is more understandable. That is something that could have been a little bit worse than Mm -hmm. it was, but everything worked out. It was fine. And there's also a lot of fighting about how involved Marco should be with whatever is going to happen. And Marco fights very hard for the right to be involved on any missions that circulate around his mother or viscer one because i feel like personally yes marco has the right to be there just don't let him be like the point guy i think marco has the right to be i think it's one of those things where he has the right to be there but he should choose not to like i Mm. think that the healthy choice would be to not be involved with a mission involving your mother and possibly killing your mother i think yeah but but also he's like He's a 13-year-old boy, not a TV dinner. Ayo. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, he, I think, I think he should be able to go. And I feel like he deserves to have some input on things that happen with his mom. Like, if he, if, say, like, they all went on a mission. They said, Marco, you have to stay home. And for some reason, he listened and didn't sneak off after Mm -hmm. them. And then, like, they came back and they're like, Marco, we had to kill your mom. Like, fuck that. If I was a Yerk, a very high-powered Yerk, and you were in a group of of animorphs, Uh and uh you guys had to take me out, would you want to be involved in killing me? In killing you? No, not in killing you. Like, Mm -hmm. I would want to be there to be like, okay, there really were no other choices. We have to kill her. But I think they're all at that point at this point where they're like, there are no other choices. This is where it's leading. It seemed Mm -hmm. like maybe they were like on a path that they weren't yet at the stage where we have to kill her, but it was very clear it was heading in that direction. I think it was the logical conclusion everyone was drawing. And I'm standing by this. I'm not saying that they should be like, Marco, you can't come. I think Marco should have said, no, I'm I'm not going to be involved in this one because it's probably going to end with someone killing my mom. Like, mm. and if he he's fully accepting that like he can't or like that that is probably what is going to happen. Like very early on in this book, he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to kill my mom. And I think that like the responsible thing to do both for his own mental health and for like the war effort would be for him to be like, this is mm. not the mission for me. But see then. If, okay, so say Jake had to end up killing this or one and then came back and told Marco that there's always going to be this idea in Marco's mind, like maybe you didn't have to and I can't believe you destroyed any chance I had of getting my mom back. I think that would create a bigger division than Marco 
simply being there and seeing the evidence for himself. And like they have ways of incapacitating Marco, as we can see. Um, and but we also do see that Marco has the conviction to go through with the things that he needs to go through with. So does he though? Does he? Not without totally giving himself away at first, but yeah, <laughs> ultimately he was ready to do it. Um, so I don't know. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. You know me. I'm team Rachel at the end of the book. And she was like also with team Marco. So if Rachel thought Marco was fine, then. I think that we need to consider these children's mental health and trauma. And I think that. It's too late. They were already at Normandy. It's too late. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know if the best thing for Marco dealing with his PTSD is to compound that by going on a mission that involves we should just his be mother. happy they haven't turned to drugs or alcohol or sex or I any suppose. like they're just killing their mothers <laughs> just killing their moms <laughs> uh Ultimately, the group decides that Marco, Axe, and Tobias can go run some reconnaissance on Visser 1 that same evening. So they go to the building. They become cockroaches because when Marco was a fly there earlier, he got sucked up into the ventilation system and almost died in the air conditioning. Um, so he's like, we need to be something a little bit heavier. That means everyone's favorite morph, cockroaches. Yay. Which is interesting. Okay, so the cover of this book has Marco morphing into a cockroach. Mm-hmm. But usually they go with, like, whatever the, the new morph. morph is. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know why we had to see cockroach Marco on why the cover of the book. Why didn't go why yeah mountain goat billy goat billy goat's gruff yeah anyway they become cockroaches to enter the building and they have to do this ridiculous thing where the fastest way to go down 20 flights of stairs is to go down the railing and basically be on the world's fastest water slide situation is it possible i'm sorry i'm backtracking is it possible because i did just open this book Mm -hmm. and looked at the front like there's a little excerpt on the front cover Mm-hmm. And it's all about being a bug. Is it possible that this book marketed to preteen boys had better sales when there was a bug on the cover? Oh, maybe. Perhaps they. But goats are cool. Goats are tough. For for te- preteen boys, I feel like mm. <laughs> I feel like bug might be a better selling point. I think that, that might be. actually maybe that's actually what Jake's whole thing is. It's not. Jake has a fetish. It's actually been cold, hard cash that's been driving. <laughs> Jake knows that bugs sell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or alternatively, Jake knows that sex sells and he's really into bugs. And so that so are preteen boys. It exactly. Turns out. It was, it that's was why. A marriage of two interests there. Um <laughs> Marco, Axe, and Tobias make it to Visser One's room, and they demorph, and Visser One's back is turned, so she doesn't see them, and Marco's, like, about to talk to her, and Tobias is like, what are you doing? And he hustles them all into the bathroom. Um, and as they do, as they're in there arguing, a bunch of hork storm into the office and start attacking Vic- Visser One. Marco immediately turns into a gorilla and starts to beat up the hork and the others rush in and help him defend Visser One. Um, which... I think, again, if if one of their long-term goals is to bring down Visser 1, um, continuing to pretend like they're allies is not a bad plan. I mean, yes, it turned out to not be a bad plan. I know. It was. It was. That's not why Marco did it. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that the whole time in this book, Marco was playing 4D chess, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, this whole book was Marco coming out as the tactician for some reason instead of Tobias, who is our eyes in the sky. I don't know why Marco is taking on. We are, Marco is comedic relief and understudy to the tech guy. And we don't need. Getaway driver. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't need him to be tactician. That is Tobias's role. Step off. That's all he's got. That's all he has to impress Rachel with is his tactician skills. <laughs> Stop trying to hone in on Tobias's turf. He's a honestly, it won't he's end a well predator. He will come after you. <laughs> <laughs> Only if he's not having an existential crisis. <laughs> And if he's not, and he's got a gun, watch out. He watch out. He's gun. lethal with a gun. <laughs> uh, it's dangerous to cross Tobias. <laughs> uh, they defeat the hork And then Marco grabs his mother in a little gorilla arm lock, and they pump her for some information. 
Basically, um, as we assumed at the end of the Lyran book, Visser 3 has accused Visser 1 of treason. And the Council of 13, who are like the top Yerks of Yerkdom, mm-hmm. have issued a Gashad, Gashad, which is basically a warrant to kill Visser 1 on site. Not so great for her. Also, she's not Visser 1 anymore. She's been demoted to Sub Visser. No number included. Yeah. She's just a Sub Visser. She's truly garbage this brought up a lot of questions to me of how the numbers are achieved because i always assumed that it was like you get promoted and stuff but like what would happen mm-hmm. if someone got demoted from visser to sub visser does everybody have to move down a step or did they oh. just wait for someone to die and then they're like okay you're sub visser now and also there's a warrant for your arrest and also why would they Good even make question. her a sub visser we know there are lower ranks like yeah that's true and yeah, so, okay, so Visser 1, is mm-hmm. it just empty right now? Yeah. Well, did she just trade places? <laughs> they like, this, this sub-Visser's been doing great lately. Let's let them trade places. <laughs> like, that seems like an ineffective way to run anything. Yeah. Or maybe they're just, like, maybe there's, like, 54 sub-Vissers right now, and then she just became, like, sub-Visser 55. They stuck her at the end. I considered that perhaps it was literally just a rank, that there might be multiple Visser 1s, and we are just oh, assuming that. Oh, that could I don't be, yeah. I don't think that's the case. I think that there is mm. Visser 1, Visser 2, Visser 3, Visser 4, you know, like. Yeah, otherwise they'd be, like, Visser 1, Stan, and Visser yeah. 3, what's his name, Aloran, you know, like. Right. Assuming Marco's mother's name is Stan, I guess, is the logic there. There was actually an interesting moment regarding gender in this book where, Ah. um, like, it's a one-off line where they refer to Visser 1 as he one time Mm. when they are very specifically saying, like, he, like, they're trying to differentiate between Mm -hmm. the Marco's mom and the Visser. Like, Marco's doing this in his head, and he's like, because he uses she to refer to, I guess, the entity that is his mom and the viscer most mm-hmm. of the time. But there's, like, one moment where he's trying to, like, I think it's when he's trying to convince himself to kill her. That he's mm-hmm. like, I would do what I had to. I would, like, get rid of her if it meant getting rid of him or something like that. Like, where it is, like, he he very specifically genders the uh, yerk as male Hmm. in this one instance and i thought that was an interesting choice i was like huh because i feel like if anything the yerks are a gender and yeah. take on the gender of their or of gender whoever. fluid perhaps and take on the yeah, gender yeah. of their host but it, it was and i mean i guess part of that might just be hmm. defaulting to male for everything but it was an interesting interesting moment i thought yeah maybe and, we'll find out more in viscer the book yeah. i would love Whenever. to know all about uh, yerk Just, sexual politics. Yerk lore. Yerk lore. It's all we want. Mm-hmm. They're clearly the most interesting of the races you've mm-hmm. created. Who knew we would come to love these little slug boys with our whole hearts? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not Kay Applegate. Like these are the villains, guys. <laughs> nope. You have to stop. You have to stop. This is unhealthy. <laughs> Visser one. In turn, is hoping to discredit Visser 3 by giving the Council of 13 information about or the bodies of the free Hork-Bajir. Mm. Who, like, the ant- the Bandalites kind of try to play it off. Like, what do you mean Hork-Bajir? Those don't e- free Hork-Bajir. Those don't exist. And she's oh, like, wait. if you use your brain, unlike Visser 3 does, you can figure things out. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> so after a little private thought speech conversation... They pretend they're going to give up the Hork-Bajir because they're being heartless Andalites. They'll give up the Hork-Bajir so that she'll give them Visser 3. Marco has somehow, like, they, there's a lot of conversations about ruthlessness and how the mm-hmm. Yerks are ruthless and, and Andalites are also ruthless. Marco comes up with a plan that he doesn't explain um, until it happens. I hate that because... The way that it happens is so, like, a hodgepodge mismatch of things that don't make sense. But but that's classic. That's classic uh, heist book, I yeah, feel Yeah, but like. I feel like with the heist, like, you get, like, there is there is a sequence. There's, like, a progression, and it all, like, flows together. Like, Marco's plan was just, like, immediately, oh, fuck that up. Oops, that didn't go right. <laughs> uh, mm, like, it was just, like, <laughs> I wanted an explanation, so I could have seen how it went wrong. But Marco 
says he sees this this bright path or this white light or whatever from point A to point B, which point B being both Visser 1 and Visser 3 dead. And he's willing to travel on that path, if it, even if it means killing his own mother. And he's just like so fixated on this plan. Utterly lacking in Ruth. <laughs> Where are your stockpiles of Ruth? <laughs> At this point, and throughout the rest of the book, we get a lot of doubt from the other Bandalites that Marco can handle planning, let alone executing a plan that involves losing the chance to free his mom from the Yerks. And he is very angry and angsty about it. And I don't know. I liked this part of the book. I liked the vibe of this, of like Marco being very angry that he was being underestimated mm. uh, this whole time. And because he's like that he... he apparently is working very hard to cultivate this image as like goofy class clown idiot but Mm -hmm. in actuality he's one smart dude no if you have to say you're smart are you and also i felt like again maybe this is just because these are all literal children that to me and i feel like the other animorphs were like playing it like we can't trust marco to do this thing that he definitely should be doing whereas Mm -hmm. i feel like as an adult i'd be like no he should again he should not be the one in charge of any of this yeah yeah (laughs) not because i'm worried about him not doing it i'm worried what doing it and i mean like maybe a little bit i felt like cassie was kind of getting to that point where she was like this is not a safe choice for marco to make because it will be bad for him yeah, yeah, it, it might break him. But, like, for the most part, it kind of seemed like the other animorphs were like, we don't want Marco to do it because he might fuck it up. And I'm like, no, He's you should unreliable. be he fucks it up. Like, this will, this will <laughs> destroy him. Like, uh, So they immediately leave Visser 1 or Subvisser X, I don't know. Um, and they fly to Cassie's house and show up after midnight. And Marco's like... Hey, Cassie, what's an animal that's good at climbing in the mountains? And she's like, a mountain goat, obviously. Like, <laughs> you dumb idiot. they in the name. <laughs> <laughs> so they fly to the garden. They get their mountain goat morphs because they have a very convenient new mountain exhibit. They you built know, a mountain there. And now there's animals do. on it. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Zoo amusement parks. Zoo amusement <laughs> There is a there is a haunted mansion there, and it's an amusement and park. a roller yeah. coaster, and a roll and a Ferris wheel, <laughs> and Sea World is right down the street. <laughs> so they get their mountain goats. They go to bed. It's like really, they didn't have to wake Cassie up in the middle of the night, but they were just being assholes. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, they if they figured that they were probably going to have to go to the garden to get whatever it was. I if guess. they didn't wake Cassie up, then they'd have to wait another night to do it because it would be like they can't really go in the middle of the day. Mm. Well, they. I can. just They've didn't. Before, I but. felt like they rushed the plan. I'm like, you could have given it like 12 yeah. hours. Because wasn't also maybe I'm squishing together different parts of the plot, but wasn't this still the same day that like Jake was busy with whatever, and they're like, we can't bother Jake because he's busy with whatever. Yeah, he's got the family reunion, yeah, so yeah, we can't yeah. go to Jake's house. I'm yeah, like all right, well. Oh, no, they were saying that, that Tom was there and he's a controller, so that would be... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it Because it is after midnight, it so if they were still midnight. having... Yeah. On a school night? Oh. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So the next day they meet at the barn again, and Marco tells everyone his plan, but we don't get to hear it. And after some arguing, they agree to go along with it. Tobias goes to tell Eric that he's actually going to have to be useful for once. Like you, goddamn holograms you can't just sit out yeah <laughs> we're complaining about how you can't like perform emergency life-saving life-saving surgeries on us it's fine eric whatever fuck off um <laughs> at least we didn't have to hear eric brag about how like i used to shine the shoes of abraham lincoln climber. <laughs> a mountain climber the first man to climb everest was actually me <laughs> I, I think this was the best use of Eric, in which Eric, I don't think, had any lines. and basically, No, yeah, he didn't even appear himself. Yeah, he was essentially just a machine that yeah. they used, mm-hmm. which, I mean, he is a machine. But They're a, like, load up the computer. Yeah, exactly. Beep, boop. Like, <laughs> great, that's the activated. level of Eric I want in these books. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to talk anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm done with him. 
<laughs> in fact, if they could just send emails to mm-hmm. Marco's email address, which I'm sure is like ladiesman69 at AOL.com. Oh, I hope it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so and then they, they do tell Visser One to meet them at an parking lot, parking garage. I don't know. Um, so they get into different morphs and they direct Visser One around town. Like they're disguised. She can't tell who it is that's talking to her. She can just hear the voices of the bandalites. But they direct her around town so that Visser Three's controllers can see her and start following her discreetly, as well as inform Visser Three of her whereabouts. And she gets like supplies to go climb up a mountain because then they all go climb up a mountain, telling her like, "Oh, the Hork-Bajir are hidden in a valley at the top of the mountain." That's not how valleys work, but it's no, fine. No, but <laughs> um, obviously the Hork-Bajir are not there. Uh, Rachel and Tobias assume they're Hork-Bajir morphs and pretend to be Hork-Bajir that are happy to see Visser 1, who they believe is one of the Bandalites, or pretending to believe. And it's lots of layers here, guys. It's a very complex plan. Mm. Um, and Eric has created a big hologram to make it look like there are a bunch of Hork-Bajir running around and being happy and free. Apparently, there are no limits to what Eric can hologram. Just. It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like I, I think he was hologramming, like, essentially, it's like the Star Wars hotel that's going to be opening up in Disney World, where there's, like, mm. things on the window to make it look like you're in space. I think that's mm-hmm. basically what it was. was like. Yeah, but, like, I don't know, just the scope of it. Yeah, but I think, like, if you do enough force perspective, again, Disney World, you know, you don't actually have to build the whole Eiffel Tower. You just put the Eiffel Tower in a position so that people looking up at it think that it's big, you know? It's like that. I guess. Like, where he just put it on the specific rock and then layered stuff in a way that made it look like it was further away, but it, it like, looking in a window, I think. I just, I think we need to set parameters for no. what Eric can and cannot no. hologram. no. It's his only skill. <laughs> Don't take it away from him. It's the only thing he's good for, and he only does it sometimes. <laughs> the rest of the time, he's bragging about being the his lawyer, being for Moses' law professor. What does this mean? I'm still <laughs> contemplating. Um, <laughs> Visser 3 shows up hot on their trail. Um, he makes an explosion, and Marco thinks that Jake and Cassie are in the explosion and that they're dead. Again, I guess, Jake dying two weeks in a row. Just. That's fine. I mean, it did take Jake him out can... of most of the book. I was okay with it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake was the one who was supposed to talk to Visser 1 at the top of the mountain. So now Marco, as a mountain goat, has to do it. It they've, They're like, we can't have Marco, even if you're only doing thought speech, we can't risk your mom recognizing your thought speech voice, even though, like, I guess I don't that's know how, how you... that works. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you describe what a thought speech voice sounds like. I mean, I guess, do your thoughts have a voice? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely someone who, like, it's not images in my head. It's thinkings. It's thinkings, <laughs> it's yes. Thinkings. So, I mean, like, I guess... I guess if you were to use a voice that was composed of your thoughts, maybe you would project your own voice onto it, you know, like. But couldn't you be like thinking in a Russian accent? Yes. <laughs> or like thinking your voice was like, because in your mind, you can hear things perfectly the way that you want them to go, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, like, I'm just going to, this is what I heard a girl at the grocery store I'm sound like. I'm going to sound like Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I'm going to whisper like Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I hate that is the thing. I hate when Nicole Kidman whispers. I don't know why it's just her specifically. It's like every role she has, she has a moment where they like zoom in on her face and she's either got like tears or some little drippy snots and she's like whispering about some shit. Looking at you, Moulin Rouge. This is this is such a weirdly specific like thing. I know. I know, I know. It's like I don't know what it is that just makes me like it's it's like when people talk about misophonia and they're like the sound of something just mm. makes me irrationally angry. That's how I feel about Nicole Kidman whispering. It's just something about like her trying her terrible American accents that she tries <laughs> and then whispering in them. I'm just <laughs> stop it. Anyway, <laughs> can't watch anything with Nicole Kidman in them. Literally, <laughs> it's gonna be really sad when the uh, the Animorphs uh, movie comes out and Nicole Kidman is playing. Oh, Nicole Kidman is every every person. <laughs> so Marco's at the top of the mountain. 
he's talking to his mother and and she's like this voice my my human controller recognizes this voice or not my human controller my human i guess um and it's familiar to me and she also starts like piece together information because she's like um they try and pretend that like oh humans who cares if they die and she's like oh that's funny because i've looked at the uh the death receipts that i guess they keep and i haven't noticed any dead humans at all um and that coupled together with the fact that marco made a joke while he was talking to me just now makes me believe some of you are human and they're like oh no visor three really is a fucking idiot she just figured it out like that (laughs) Like, five <laughs> seconds of talking to us. That's all it took. We thought we were really smart, tough kids. It turns out we're just children in Visser 3. He's a dumbass. And you can tell we're kids because we referenced the Prince of Egypt movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blah, blah, blah. Visser 3 catches up to Visser 1. And they start doing a battle, I guess. Um it turned this part kind of lost me it turns out that viscer one had some huge ass ship with lots of weapons on it at her disposal surprising even viscer three everyone's like oh my god a huge ship (laughs) and viscer three's got his little bug fighters there zipping and zapping and axe has gone to get the real hork bajir because marco made some like sarcastic offhanded comment but he's an axe is an andalite so he doesn't understand sarcasm so he went and got the real hork bajir um, and they're helping to fight as well. This was very um, rom-com slapstick. Like, womp womp. Visser one is like, haha! You thought that you would get me, but little did you know, I've been recording the whole thing on my giant ship, yeah, on my Visser, giant boat. And Visser three is like, well, little did you know that I also am recording things on my giant ship. Like, guys. <laughs> When are we going to get together? And the Hork-Bajir are like, we don't know what recording is. Very comedy uh, of errors. Except yes. with death. Yeah, yeah, except for with much more serious circumstances than people falling in love. <laughs> I might ship Visser 1 and Visser 3 now, though, now that I've said it, that. Can you imagine if <laughs> Axe, or not Axe, if uh, Marco was like, my new stepdad is this guy we've been trying to kill for forever. <laughs> That's coming to NBC next fall. Oh, my God. Is it bigamy? I don't know. (laughs) She's legally dead. My stepdad's an alien. My stepdad's been trying to kill me. Uh, The controllers are dying. Eric has altered the hologram so it looks like Hork-Bajir are also dying and on fire. (laughs) And Marco sees his chance to push Visser 1, his mother, off the mountain. And... He looks at her and he says, I love you. And right when he is about to billy goat headbutt her off the off the mountain, Tiger Jake comes out of nowhere and pushes Marco the goat out of the way. And Hawk Tobias slashes Visser One's face and then she falls off the mountain, assumably to her death. Mm-hmm. And Marco just goes into like this fugue state where he cannot process what just happened. Um, he's just some the battle ends somehow he goes home there's like a week he's a whole week passes where he's just in bed not going to school tells his daddy's sick mourning the loss of his mother for like the fourth time and then <laughs> this one's more serious though and then rachel comes over to visit after a week and she's like they never found a body uh so she may still be out there and i'm not telling you this as a kindness because honestly it would have been a lot easier if she was dead but she's not so this is just fucking awful. I'm sorry. Visser 3 lived. Basically, this whole book was a nothing. But angst. <laughs> and Marco's like, well, I mean, what would you have done? Like, if you were faced with this possible situation? And she's like, well, I'd probably hope that uh, I wouldn't have to make the decision. Marco's like, mm, well, I guess. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for taking the decision away from me. And they have, like, a little bit of a touching moment. Rachel kind of comforts him the best that she can because... Rachel's not great with emotions and Marco's not great with emotions. All they want to do is fight. The end. (laughs) I appreciate that, like, Marco didn't have to make the decision because I think it would have been very, I mean, he did make the decision, but, like, he didn't actually have to do it if, you know, his mom's alive. Serious theories, his mom's alive. It's fine. Um, But they didn't find her body. She's she's definitely alive. It's whatever. Uh, (laughs) I, I appreciate that, like, Jake 
did it so he didn't have to, whatever. But, like, they've done that so many times in this book series where there's, like, a moral decision. They have to make the moral decision. But then, like, something happens where it just kind of – it just kind of does it anyway and they don't have to worry about it. Like, that happened right. with um, – the Yerk who they took out of the head and then they like turned her into a whale or whatever that happened with like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Holocaust where they accidentally did the Holocaust. Like, <laughs> but they didn't really yeah. do it. Like, you know, no, they accidentally fixed the problem. Yeah. And I get that they're 13 and maybe that shouldn't be on their shoulders, but like still it's, they need to pull the trigger at some point or like even Tobias and Hitler, like Tobias was like going to kill Hitler, but then it was an accident that he killed. Hitler. Yeah, like, exactly. At some it's like point, they're not committing violence. They're yeah, having violence committed the upon circumstances them. committing violence. Like, okay. But at some point they have to take responsibility for their actions and their killings of Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, I guess after they save the world, they can dwell on it if they did it the right way. I don't know. That was this book. What was your morbid moment? Um, I'm going to go a little bit left field with this because I feel like there's several that you could do just in general with the mom killing. But Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to pick a very, like, offhanded comment that's made when they are going to Cassie's house. When they're debating whether they should go to talk to Jake or if they're going to go talk to Cassie or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, we can't talk to Jake. We're going to talk to Cassie. Well, it's still past midnight where she is. And they're like, yeah, but she doesn't live with a controller. And then one of them says that we know of. And I thought that was, like, a very, like, good reminder that, like, these kids, like, cannot trust anyone. And, I mean, we're already in that because, like, obviously Marco's mom. But, like... They, they don't know if Cassie's dad's a controller, but he could be. That's true. Yeah, he could just be really good at pretending. Right. I think my morbid moment is probably... I think... I probably has to be the moment where Marco is like... He's like, I love you, Mom. Bye. And he goes to shove her off a mountain. Very to her sad. Death. And then he doesn't have to. But like, I feel like... Tobias then too is going to be grappling with this like I don't know he's one step removed in that to him it's just another enemy he mm-hmm. never knew Marco's mom and like he didn't really, really know Marco before he became an animorph so but still like you killed some dude's mom <laughs> your friend's mom I almost feel like that's better though that both Tobias and Jake were involved because I feel like if it was just Jake then kind of the thing you were saying of Marco being like Marco could ultimately blame Jake for his mom's death, mm. right? But it's kind of like if, if both we all of them stab him at it, once, we yeah, both it's like it. all yeah. Roman senators, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got yeah. you got everybody's got to stab Caesar, so everybody's equally complicit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not I'm, saying I, I like, necessarily agree with that, but I think in this case, like in general, but like I think in this case, it's probably better that both Mar- Jake and Tobias yeah. were yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of involved. It wasn't in just it. Jake, his best friend, who did know his yeah. mom. It was. I did like the, like, I don't know, Marco going into this like depressive state is like the only thing he can hear is Marco, as Jake's voice saying, It's okay, I've got you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, sweet. Maybe they really are still friends. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you can, like, have drifted apart from someone but still, like, have those, like, deep emotional That's connections, true. you know? That's true. The groundwork has been laid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, MVP. Um, I'm going to give it to Rachel, actually, even though she didn't do mm. as much as Marco. But I felt like the last chapter, especially, where, like, her talking to Marco was – yeah so outside of the typical like rachel comfort zone number one so yeah kudos to yeah, rachel yeah, yeah. for that and also i, I mean just... imagine being alone with marco in a room <laughs> <laughs> but i also really really love the marco rachel like friendship yeah. I, as much as we joke about like oh marco's not really friends with jake i really do like how marco and rachel are like kind of becoming like good buddies and this like mm-hmm. very like they're both very sarcastic with each other and like tease each other but they kind of get each other in a way that the other animals yes. don't you know marco's always like yes rachel do your bloodthirsty thing and rachel's like yes we need marco to make a joke now because mm-hmm. things are too stressful like they they understand what their roles are within the group yeah so mm-hmm. i i really liked i liked how she was 
supporting Marco in this book because I feel like the natural instinct is to give that job to Cassie and yes or even Jake and it was nice that it was Rachel kind of got a second to not just be bloodthirsty but be like not not necessarily emotionally helpful but like understanding in a way that Marco needed Mm -hmm. it is strange that Jake did not have a lot to say here with Tom also being a known Mm. controller that is high up in the in the uh hierarchy he really didn't have much to say i mean he did he was very quick to side with marco and go along with marco's plans and be like everyone shut up marco knows what he's doing sort yeah. of thing but like he didn't have anything to say like remember tom <laughs> i know what you're going through marco i mean i i also appreciate though that the whole question of tom is perhaps best handled in another book that can be more yeah jake focused great can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who was your uh, MVP or MVM? I think um I actually thought this book did a really good job even though it was a Marco POV like highlighting the strengths of several of the other bandolites. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like for me a three-way tie between Rachel, Tobias and Axe. I feel like because Marco is like falling apart at the seams throughout the duration of this book like Tobias is there consistently to pick up the pieces for him and to believe in him and provide that shoulder to rely on Axe provides the like just basic matter of fact like I will help you with this plan because this is what is the plan and he like shoulders a lot of like he's talking to Visser one he's the one that's you know giving them some background information he goes to get the hork Bashir for whatever fucking reason <laughs> and then like you said with Rachel at the end like she's just she's like I, I'm here I got you I understand I also feel like Tobias kind of, again, in the, like, them getting to act outside of their typical role, Tobias was given a more of a leadership role in this because Jake, who is not yes. able to go on the mission, was like, if there are decisions to be made, you guys need to defer to, to Tobias. And they right. did a couple of times be like, okay, Tobias, what are we doing? And, you know, he stepped up and he really, like, was was a good leader for, you know, this mission. I agree. I Yeah, yeah. I think this really confirms our, like, Tobias would make a much better leader. Mm-hmm sort of vibe though jake has with with the coming of the ghost riders jake has kind of stepped up into the role a little bit yeah, more yeah, yeah. um <laughs> where it seems like he's actually maybe got something to back up him being the leader rather than him just being not good at anything else yes and i think a lot of it has to do with like this touch of anger that a couple of the ghost riders yes. have given him like yes, we yes. had the outburst in that one book and in this one he's very like shut up listen up this mm-hmm. is what we're doing like don't ask questions yeah so starting to warm up to jake a little bit not gonna lie a little bit just a little a little bit yeah 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 i think that actually He's... was my other serious theory was that this was again kind of moving towards possible dark jake you know Darth like jake i ugh, want it i want it so bad but there was a little bit and I, we got that also in the megamorphs thing with like a lot of the comparisons between jake and the different generals and stuff like that but mm-hmm. like there is still this like vibe of like jake is Jake going to go too far at some point? And I'm hoping mm. that that thread gets followed. I don't know if it will or not. He needs some sort of, like, facial scar. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, like, a that streak of gray in his hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, I want a time skip so bad. <laughs> I know. I want them all to be older and look cooler. <laughs> and also Just have, like, happens like in future, futuristic punk armor. Like. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, for some reason, like, everyone else is normal, but they're wearing, like, trash can lids mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. on their chests. I don't know. <laughs> oh. Rachel has a mohawk. Absolutely, Rachel has a mohawk. <laughs> it's real tall and spiky. <laughs> oh. I'm actually now pic- picturing a time skip Rachel being kind of like Natalie Dormer uh, in Hunger From Games. Hunger Games? Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. I can get behind that. A+. plus. Mm-hmm. Rachel would a hundred percent win Hunger Games. Mm. No question. The only one who might yeah. give her a run for her money would be, well, Cassie would be out like immediately. Yeah. Um, Cassie Jake... would. Cassie would be the rue of the situation. Yeah. Like she'd be like, I want to help. I want to be like, I don't know, just helpful. Situation. Jake would be like one of the ones from like District Two or whatever, where they're like, they're like they've got sponsorships and whatever. So it. like. He yeah. would last a while because he's getting a ton of shit from people, but, like, mm-hmm. he would get, you know, killed, like, probably, like, third or fourth from last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Tobias, I feel like Tobias would actually probably die pretty quickly just because he's a bird. And like... <laughs> he can fly, though. Can, well, Only depend, Katniss could hit him with her arrows. It would depend on the terrain that they were in, right? True, like, very that true. would be a big a big issue for Tobias in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. Human Tobias, dead immediately, yeah. though, for sure. And then I guess Marco, I think, would probably be pretty... Mark would be, like, one of the early ones at the cornucopia, I feel like. Mm, yeah, he'd be too... He'd rush in. Yeah. And then Axe mm-hmm. would be, like, the one that Rachel has to take out in the end. Oh. Uh, and snow is viscer three of course yeah boy i haven't read hunger games or thought about i know right the movies were i'm gonna go on record the movies are better than the books especially the second book and movie are like the most disparate i'm gonna say i enjoy the movies and the books about equally which was not enough enjoyment to have revisited them in any way in the past like Hmm. however long it's been since the last movie came out but they were they were fine i liked them i'm gonna watch the movies tonight i'm gonna after we're done recording i'm gonna watch that first movie and probably get bored with it within 10 minutes but you know sounds like a plan (laughs) (laughs) uh so after we do after anna goes to watch hunger games uh when Mm -hmm. you guys come back next week we will be reading the first book in Anna's new unit. And then the week after that, we'll be back with another Morph Monday with Animorphs 31, which is called... The something. The Conspiracy. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> is um, it a Jake POV? It, it, yes, I think so, because it starts with his mom crying my brother tom and something must have happened to tom yes so oh, yeah no one else seems like it's a tom. POV. well damn i guess that i guess we will find out oh yeah it says my name is jake just jake mm-hmm. <laughs> okay i get i see you now preview to the next book um wonderful to be clear my preview to the next book since i'm reading the copies does not start with my name is jake so i did have to look for other context clues that's no, why it took she's me a just minute. i'm she's not just dumb just... okay <laughs> just kidding <laughs> oh boy in the meantime if you have any animorphs opinions or theories that you would like to share with us you can tweet at us at shelf or email us shelf at gmail.com as always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We're also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should, or we're going to shove you off a mountain. If you use Apple Podcasts, we very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you do not, that's all right, because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere you would like. On the internet is what I usually say. But you know what? Go out in the world. In the words of K.A. Applegate, I was a few aisles over in hosiery. I looked slightly out of place. I could only hope that no one from school would spot me as I perused the racks of sheer-to-waist, sandal-foot, taupe pantyhose. That's the kind of thing that stays with you in school. Which I highlighted because I felt was kind of a gross comment to make, yeah. but I did appreciate how specific he was about the pantyhose. <laughs> Summary. Summary. Yeah. Yeah. Describe what happened in this book, I guess. Oh, God, it's hurting my throat. Okay. 